Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Swicker from New England Curiosities, here today telling you stories of the magical, the mystical, the spooky, the curious, and who knows whatever else I'm bumping into in a cemetery. (laughs) Doing things you're not supposed to be doing. Well, I guess I I hear there's some dangerous cemeteries out there for what we were just talking about in Ghost Chronicles. I guess the the danger is not always the unseen ghost, but what's below your feet. Yeah. Sometimes the ground can be Danger is not knowing the whole story. (laughs) And that, too, not knowing the whole story. Um, Once again, the invisible professor, Lou Glassy. Getting very excited on Ghost Chronicles this morning <laughs> when we were going over a list that Ron from William Ghost Project had brought in about uh, scary and dangerous cemeteries. And there was a lot of talk of shadow people and strange things and bushes and cars not working properly. And I'm still trying to figure out who half of those stories were about and yeah. what the cause of With those stories were. With anonymous ghosts and spirits. Right. And, and to you, hold these people accountable. I, I agree. I mean, <laughs> it's it's great to come up with a list and to tell you about cemeteries and what to be afraid of, but can I get a little backstory there? Yeah. Can I find out why its cemeteries are haunted and who's doing it and what graves I should watch out for? So, um, it's kind of a personal peeve of mine, so I will yeah. try not to be... Well, I don't think it was aimed at real connoisseurs. I think it was <sighs> I don't know. filling a few inches or but getting see, a few clicks. I don't know. I think a list like that, though, is going to make me want to go and check them out, and I'm going to get there, and what am I going to find? Yeah. Where should I go? What should I look for? So, I don't know. Do your homework. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> like, I know I'm being really harsh. Give you a call. You can give me a call, yeah. and I'll do the research for you. could have got a whole you. column. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've also written a couple of cemetery books, yep. which require a lot of research. And and to me, that's my favorite part of putting together the tours or the stories is the research, because you never know what you're going to find. And it's definitely the least glamorous part of doing the work. But sitting there and putting together, oh, you know, this story makes sense with the context of this person passing away or this yep. carving or this gravestone. Then you really start to piece together the story. And now your ghost story has legs. So, Well, the story was Cemeteries of New England, right? Yes. So you Google Cemeteries of New England. You see your books. You drop you an email. <laughs> you get a little extra on your story. It's like it's called doing the work. It, it is, and I've got to, I've got to tell you, that was really, when I was putting the tours together, that was my goal, was to do the work, not to just talk about, well, this place has a shadow figure, or that place has yeah. been haunted by this grandma that lived there way back when. Facts, details are out there. I mean, New England, we've got some good research that you can find. We've got great places you can go. Of we've got the Athenaeum. I mean, they've been around for 200 yeah. years with original documentation and artifacts, and we're still using that for our tours. We just got some documentation a few weeks ago to help us on our tours. Yeah. So it, it's not like you can't find it. You just have to take the time to do it. And the other piece of it is, too, and, um, you know, again, not to be taken the wrong way, I like to talk about places that people don't talk about. Yeah. Because the list that we were going over today seemed to be the same list of yeah. the same 15 cemeteries the regurgitated a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. I didn't hear the Point of Graves in there. Yeah. Point of Graves, to me, is one of the most haunted cemeteries in New England. It's all perspective, true, but I think there's other cemeteries out there we could talk about. Plus, this is like, in. you can correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but when I hear an article like that, I hear all icing and no cake. It, it's like... <laughs> This is true. Part of what you want from these stories and all that you do so well on the tours and when you're doing stories in here is you come away with a little history, too. You get a good story, but you get a little history. Oh, and, and that that's is... that's almost the important part. I was going to say, that yeah. is sometimes the most important part is to have the history. And sometimes the history is cooler than the ghost story right. of who was buried there and what their connection is to, to your local history and where they live. Right. And usually it's going to prompt you for more. what told about them and, you know... Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, but everybody has their, their own way of collecting ghost stories and writing about them. And and we've talked about this a hundred times. So when, I mean, you live in an old poor town, I live mm-hmm. in an old poor town. Mm-hmm. So when you're driving by a house on, you know, from the 18, you know, mid 1800s mm-hmm. or early 1800s, and you look at the house, you like to know a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, who lived there? What are the stories? I, 
what's going on I'm there? I'm prompted to walk in those doors if I could. So the closest <laughs> I can get sometimes is the cemetery yep. and find the person that either built the house, which you can find them, yep. person that lived in the house. And then you've got that connection and you can go back and do the research and piece the story together. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a house in Newcastle Village. Newcastle, I always talk about because it's one of my favorite places, and it's it's just so old. And in their front yard is this beautiful cemetery. It's as old as the house. So not only have I researched the house, I've researched the cemetery, the people that are buried in there. And that cemetery led me right back to Portsmouth, where there was a, a gentleman who was buried in Portsmouth at the Pleasant Street Cemetery. But when he died at Newcastle, his descendants some years later said he should be buried back in Newcastle. So they went back to Portsmouth, Mm -hmm. but they only took his gravestone and they left him in Portsmouth. Wow. So the thing of it is, so you walk the cemetery. It's just it's just a little tiny. It's probably no bigger than this room. Why, why would that happen? Cost or religious beliefs? or I, you, you know, I think that's the piece that's up for debate, yeah. that just by having his gravestone yeah, there and name let's only. Take the stone. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe they didn't feel like digging that day. Yeah. But they brought his stone. So well, maybe they told the people they brought him back. And just it just didn't didn't finish the job. Sent the teenage kids, and they just came back with the gravestone. <laughs> no, really, we did the job. <laughs> How are you going to know? Are you going to dig them up yourself? Yeah. So there's a, an intriguing tale where you're walking through the burial ground. You'll see the gravestone, and you'll assume that he's there. Yep. But he's not. He's in Portsmouth. So it's those little things by going back and doing the research and putting it together then you're able to say, all right, so here's a story about this place that is below the surface. And I think last night when we were out on our waterfront tour and we had ended the tour where everybody had such great questions last night, and our takeaway was it's all these things that hide in plain sight, even the ghost stories too. And you see it just like the houses or the cemeteries or some of the tunnel entrances in Portsmouth, and you have no idea sometimes what you're looking at and what that opens up for people. So I think that's one of the things I really try very hard to concentrate on and and try to dig in as much as I can and extract as much information as possible. And even then, you still always have other layers that are about to be unearthed that sometimes take years to put together. And that's that's the ultimate payoff is when you're able to bring all of that together. And last night when we were out on the tour again, I was telling people, you know, we we're standing in front of uh, St. John's Church. I started talking about it 10 years ago. Five years ago, I thought I had everything. A couple of years ago, I got a little more. Now I've gotten even more, and I'm still working on it. <laughs> and and the story, it evolves and evolves. And that is such the excitement because you never get bored of telling the same story. Right. Because they're like, oh, there's another layer. There's, a little there's bit another more, right? more. Someone else told me a story about this, and that fits in here. It's it's so cool and because the history isn't tied into one death or one incident, it's like hey, these people live lives, and right. and often these sites are the lives of several generations. Mm-hmm. This is a family story. Absolutely, yeah. and to leave it with just one family or one name or the best known story about it for me sometimes just isn't enough. Being able to extract the lesser known people that were there that may be connected to these other stories in ways that you can't possibly understand. And when you look at a place like, you know, a cemetery or a church or a hotel, they in themselves are their own microcosms of people that come from all over. Right. You know, the church had people from all classes that were there. And you had, you know, a pew that was owned by, in this one church, Ben Franklin, the bell was forged by Paul Revere. George Washington sat in a chair that's yeah. there. There's all these different layers, and then you got your common folk yep. that are there, and then you've got some stories in the basement. You've got a cemetery outside the door. <laughs> you've got all this, and you're in one spot. Yep. So when we're out on a tour, I can honestly stand there for like a half an hour. Yep. And just, did you know this, this, and that? And, and people on the tour, it's amazing when they say, you know, Drive by here every day, yeah. go to work down the street, right. get ice cream right over there. I had no idea. Yeah. So that George Washington sat there. George Washington sat there. Yeah. And Ben Franklin owned that corner. But that of the really church. ties you into your community and your setting. It does. It's, it's, you know, again, in my poor town, it's the same thing. And there, there are George Washington stories and there are John Quincy Adams stories. And, you know, it's just like he was there, he mm-hmm. sat there. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just a story. Had a meal. <laughs> Said a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Said a prayer. Hung yeah. a bell. Yeah. It's it's something I think in many cases is underappreciated in our backyard. I guess people will go to Washington or they'll go to Philadelphia, which is fabulous. And, you know, I definitely love to travel, too. But here they were, right here. But it all started here. Right. And it's so many great stories just from here. Yeah. And and we miss that. Yep. And that I think that was, in its own way, forged when I went on field trips as a kid. Because it was amazing to me to start to hear how so much of our early history, revolutionary history, was right here. And you're still on the same paths, in the same buildings. and Well, that's the thing, because you can read about history. You can, mm-hmm. you can read what happened in Washington, mm-hmm. all, all that. And it's, it's a little bit more abstract because mm-hmm. it's a story. Right. And then you can stand in front of the building mm-hmm. and say, well, here, mm-hmm. this happened, this person mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. You know, just, it's just, and when, you have, when it's tangible, when it's right there, it's like, no, the building wasn't here. This was the building. Yeah, this was the building. That was the parlor. Yeah. Um, oh, hi, everybody. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Miguel. Um, a lot of them are clickbaiting up based on any research. That is true. Yeah, they're just trying to get that, that one click in there. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the houses that we were doing on the Port City Promenade Tour was owned by uh, Captain Tobias Lear. And his son went on to become the personal secretary for George Washington. And there was a a lot of research I was doing for that tour this spring. And I had found that it was all the big hullabaloo in town when George Washington came to this house, sat in the front parlor, and was bouncing the Lear children on his knee. And everybody was in the window outside looking in to catch a glimpse of George Washington sitting in the parlor, having a good time with the family. And now that house, which has been run down for far too long, was just purchased, and it's going to be a bed and breakfast. So you can now stay in the house where George Washington was bouncing a child on their knee. Amazing stuff. In their front room, and that child became his personal secretary. The story is told of a property uh, that I lived in for a while, which was built by the Bartlett's Mm -hmm. and lived in by the father of Josiah Bartlett. Sure. Uh, when they moved to Amesbury, Josiah was born in Amesbury. He's a sign of the Declaration. Okay. But um, it's kind of off the beaten path. And at one point when Washington visited Newburyport in his first year in office, uh, he came up and he crossed uh, the Merrimack River mm-hmm. there on a barge, on a ferry, mm-hmm. that they brought mm-hmm. for Washington. And the story's told that it was the same ferryman who took him across the Delaware. Really? We took him across the Merrimack, and there's a building on the next street over because they took the ferry down there, and they, mm-hmm. they marched Washington down there to cross the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a building on the next street where in the attic you can go up and see the workers had put George Washington was here because they were building the house when Washington went by. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just—and it, it, it's not like it was nothing to them, but it was— you know, it was worthy of remembrance to yeah. at least make a note of for somebody to know that that yeah. had happened there. Yeah, who knew we'd be talking about it 250 years later? You know, well, and and that's what's so amazing. If if people didn't keep track of that, we might miss that. In Portsmouth, we have Washington Street, which they had changed the name from its old name to Washington Street because he walked down the street. Oh, really? And you still have... What was the name of the street? Do you remember? I, I have yeah. to go back to my place names of Portsmouth for that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but the, there's two walkways that go down the street. One's cobblestone, and the other one is flagstone. And all of our flagstone walkways in Portsmouth are early 1700s. The flagstones were brought in from Durham, New Hampshire, on the Gundalow. Yeah. So it's it, and it's it's such a geeky thing to say, but when we go down the street, I'm like, oh well, you know, George Washington walked over those flagstones. It's not geeky back at all. In it's, the day. it's it's astounding. It's it's a connection. It's it's very tangible. You know, I, I think you're I walking think it the is. same places that that Washington was, and you're you're seeing the same sights that he did. And for whatever reason, his footsteps brought him to Portsmouth. And 
I don't know. It's strange to me how some people, they get very enthusiastic to me and other people like, yeah, it's really? George Washington. So I always, uh, it, and I think I'm, I'm terrible like this and I tell Ken all the time. I always look when we're out on a tour or on the trolley just to see how people react to right. different stories that I tell, like who's into it and who's right. not. And who wants uh, the history, who wants the ghost. Right, who who, and, and yeah. we, try to, we try to have something for everybody. That's right. always been the goal. But it's, it's funny. I'll watch people, and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And other people are like, yep, well, look over there. <laughs> Annually, a couple times a year, they'll bring in a tall ship to mm -hmm. Newburyport, and you're mm -hmm. on State Street, and every once in a while you stand on State Street and you can see the masts mm -hmm. over the buildings, mm -hmm. the buildings that were there in Revolutionary Time, mm -hmm. in a square that had its own tea party that, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, and you can actually get that feeling of this is what they were looking at. You know, because these yeah. buildings are still here, and they were looking at the masts, and yeah. it's it's kind of it's very cool. I, that kind of thing excites me. I like that. Well, and that just happened to us in Portsmouth this past weekend because we had Tall Ship Festival. Oh yeah, this yeah, past that's weekend. right. And where was I when the tall ships were coming in? In the Point of Grave Cemetery, of oh, course. Wow. So I am looking out from behind 17th and 18th century gravestones at the tall ship Eagle coming in the Coast Guard ship, which is just beautiful, yeah. um, along with the Parade of Sail. And uh, I think we had uh, the Lynx was up there. And I'm trying to think. There were a, a couple other uh, smaller schooners, the Gundalo, and uh, you know a lot of private boats. And I'm standing there in the cemetery, which goes back to 1650. And I'm watching all of these masts coming along the Piscataqua River, going upriver. And I'm, even though this car is going by, I'm back 250 yeah, years. Exactly, yeah. And just You're right watching there. it. Yeah. And all weekend, because we have the three bridges that connect Portsmouth to Kittery, all weekend I've been going over the middle bridge, which I never go over because the tall ship was docked right there. <laughs> and I just, I wanted to see the perspective, like you just said, right. of the mass and looking past that. And seeing the steeple for the North Church and, and of course, St. John's that I just talked about and seeing that perspective of what our waterfront used to look like right. with with that from back in the and day. You get a real taste of what people were there watching ships coming in and out of that port town. And building them. Yeah. And, and Portsmouth, especially, you know, four or five massive schooners, things that you very rarely see now, they were known for back in the day. Right. And, you know, then you throw in the ghost stories on top of that. And what more to me, what more do you need? Right. Like everything is right there. And then you have people that come on the tours. It was um, was it a month ago or so. Point of Graves again. And one of my tour guests, she says, you know, it's the first time I've been to Portsmouth. She says she's from Massachusetts, and she's been finding that there's her family name here in town. And I was trying to remember, I said, so what, what was your name? I couldn't remember when you checked in. And she gave me her name, and I said, turn around. And I turned her around, <laughs> walked her not even two feet from where we were standing, and there was an ancestor because I knew the name she had given me was pretty unique. Oh, my God. And I said, look at this gravestone. And she lost her mind. Wow. She's like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was the right time frame. It was 1711 was yep. the gravestone. Yeah. Um, which also goes to show you, I probably spent way too much time in that cemetery because she gave me a name, and I'm like, I know where that is. Yeah, turn around, yeah. But she was like, you, you're kidding me, like, right here. So you get... The layers of not only the history, but the people that are there connected to the history. And, you know, notwithstanding, we get a lot of people, especially when I lived in Massachusetts, you know, I had ancestors that came over on the Mayflower. I had ancestors that were involved with the Salem Witch Trial. Seems like everybody has an ancestor in one way attached to Salem. But you start getting people that are connected to Portsmouth or York or somewhere up on the seacoast. Again, these are more of the untold stories. Yeah. And then when she started telling me about where her ancestors came in from, and she really started to give me even more information. It was really cool because here's a gravestone that I typically would walk by because I just don't have time to talk yeah, about them all. Now you have more threads in the tapestry, right? And, yeah. and because she came on the tour, I had a little bit more now to add about that. And, and now you have a personal connection. You've talked to an ancestor. Right. Right. Well, a descendant. A, de a, a descendant. descendant. Yeah. Well, I probably talked to an ancestor too. You never know when there are all the ghosts right. that are in there, which is true. And one of the things about uh, Newburyport that I love is there are several major families, like there are in every town, mm -hmm. the Mosby's and the Browns and the Bartlett's. Mm -hmm. and, um, you walk by these houses, and in Newburyport, they're very, uh, they usually have signs of the house near the house who owned it and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's uh, Mosby's and Brown's families that, you know, sisters and brothers, or sisters, you know, descendants from different families mm -hmm. marrying. 
and then I'm walking down the street and you see a Whittier, which is a Haverhill family. Ah. You know, John Greenleaf Whittier. Of course. Down there, and it's like, okay, so they grew up in Haverhill and for some reason got on a horse, said, I'm going to go live in Newburyport. <laughs> That's right. Or Newbury at the time, probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, just, just seeing how people migrated and how people moved and intermingled. And I remember when I was writing the book I wrote about um, the T206 cards, which were early 1900s, mm-hmm. I remember writing all the biographies and thinking at the same time, I had the simultaneous thought all throughout the book, it's so different than it is now, right. and it's so the same mm-hmm. as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, Just holding those two thoughts together, because mm-hmm. it was true. It's incredibly different, but it's incredibly the same. Well, and I, I think we we miss the sameness. I think a lot of people miss the sameness yep. because they think you know things have, have changed so much. But at, at our roots, there is still that great similarity, and we're still living in yep. the buildings that they built. Exactly. That that's back the thing. in the day. You're talking about revolutionary era mm-hmm. or 1700s, mm-hmm. and going. They lived in this house. Mm-hmm. Their life couldn't have been too terribly different. And in some ways, they're they're still there. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing to me if if you're willing to go down that path um yeah. that there's some sort of energetic imprint there and it, it doesn't it doesn't get cooler i know you can you can you can build me a, you know a grand house on the ocean with with every amenity give me the house from 1658 in the center of newcastle that's the house yeah. that i want with no property right there clustered in the village that's the one that i want the you one with the walls and the history you want to hear the echoes i do yeah i do and and you know again some people i want the house on the ocean i want everything that's you know modern in there but you miss. I think you're missing something. And and to be able to be, I always That's look at. That's okay. The, you can take a drive to Portsmouth. Take a tour. <laughs> you can take a tour. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's there's something special, and and this connects me to the ghost stories too. Is the people that buy these old houses and fix them up or or do whatever? They are the caretaker of that history for that period in time. Yeah. And to me, I think there's no greater honor than to be the caretaker of one of these old houses and to find those echoes and to listen and to share those stories. And I think, you know, we have a house in Portsmouth, Oracle House, the first New Hampshire newspaper called The Oracle was printed in there. And the gentleman who had owned the house in the 1980s had said it was haunted. He said that there was someone going through all of the old desk drawers. He had, you know, all period (laughs) furniture, and he couldn't understand what was going on. And he heard somebody talking in the house, and he said one day he figured out who it was when he said he saw a man wearing a printer's apron going down the hallway. So he said he ran down the hallway, should have been alone in the house, followed him into the room, the guy was gone. That was that distinct, huh? And he said he looked, and in that split second, a drawer had been opened. And he says, it's the printmaker, and he's going through the drawers looking for printer's blocks. And that's one layer of history of the house. The other layer, again, the house is from 1705, was that it was built by the British Royal Navy for a commanding officer that was there oh. in early colonial New England. So you've got that layer. That's you've amazing, got the, yeah. the printing layer like 50 years later. And, it, and the house has been moved, five, I think, about five blocks across town to the waterfront wow. to kind of enhance the neighborhood because it used to be all the red light district. And it, you could just, you could go on. Just those two layers from the 18th century are enough. When was it moved? It was moved in the 1930s. Oh, wow. So it it went from Haymarket Square, which is all the way down um, the other end of Court Street, Mm -hmm. down right across from Prescott Park. You can't miss the house. It's a beautiful peach house. And um, it sold a few years ago for $1.7 million. Amazing stuff. I was very interested in the house. My checkbook, not so much. <laughs> missing, missing a lot of O's in my checking account. You can drive by it. I do. And I, I walk by it all the time yeah. on the tours. But, if but you, think of those two stories, yeah. Right. That yeah. Just a time capsule of 100 years mm-hmm. in that house. So that brings us up to 1805. So now you've got another, you know, 200 years after that. And the house is meticulous. Slate yeah. roof, you know, it's absolutely stunning. But let alone, you've just got that. So I, I always I always wonder, you know, about the woman who purchased it. And I, I see her out there every now and again. And I know she appreciates that. She takes such good care of it. Yeah. I wonder if anything else is going on there. <laughs> I haven't asked over the fence yet. 
But I look at her as, you know, she's a caretaker of all that history there. The sad thing is, um, and I don't know if it was her decision or somebody else, there used to be a huge sign in front of the house, and it said the Oracle House, 1705, with the history, and they took it down and never replaced it. Hmm. And that was probably seven or eight years ago, right around when the house was sold. Interesting. so I don't know. I was kind of I was kind of disappointed the sign came down and never went back up. Be interesting to find out. Might have been a realtor's decision. Might have been a. Could have been. Yeah. Still, it's it's got the post. Yeah. Could use the sign to tell us a little bit more. But I'll bring you down there and point it out. But yep. it's um, just it's just little things like that. You know, just the history and then oh here's a ghost story about it. You can choose to believe it or not, but yep. it's going to probably be the thing that's going to get you to the doorstep to hear the history anyways. Well, in a completely renovated house, people may not be embracing the history so much. They just have a beautiful old house that's right. that's in good shape. But right. you're going to buy an old house. You're going to buy a house from the 18th century mm-hmm. or even the 19th century. Mm-hmm. You've got to have, you've got to like the history because you you, you're buying a lot of problems. You are. Yeah. And, and the energy of everybody that was there yeah. before, like it or not. Yeah. Um, there is a, a, I think it was last year, a woman who had come on a tour and she moved into a house that was like two or three streets over. And she said immediately they were picking up on stuff. She talked to her husband and told him to be aware that they were picking up on, you know, people walking around the house, noises up and down the stairs, and they were wondering what was going on. So they had this clock, and they had brought it to the local clockmaker, and for whatever reason, the clockmaker said, you know, this antique heirloom clock can't be fixed. There were so many problems with it. So they said, you know what, we're just going to, we'll hang the clock up in the house on the staircase. Yeah. And they it's still, yeah, and it yeah. totally went with the house. Yeah. And they said, before you know it, they couldn't explain it. That clock started working at the right time. Oh, my God. Didn't have to be set. And they said they truly believe that it was the ghosts that were in that house. Wow. That fixed that clock. And and That'll they... freak out. <laughs> they were telling me the story like you were talking about last night's sports game. Yeah. Like, like so matter-of-factly, so not rattled. Yeah. They were like, we can't explain it. The clockmaker told us it didn't work. So now it's working at the exact right time. Well, like last night's Red Sox game, I'm guessing it's one of 162. It's just <laughs> one of the stories that they have. That, True. That, you know, it, it's not it's not as uncommon as it would be to most of us. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, once you start seeing things like that in your house or, or you get that confirmation that somebody is there, to me that, you know, that totally is kind of confirmation that you're the right person to be in that house and and these folks when they had bought the house they they had such an appreciation for the history they said they had moved up here from connecticut and they actually taken the tour to get more acquainted with portsmouth which was really cool and they said they had looked at house after house and this was the house that pretty much called to them and they knew it was the right house for them so they had this huge confirmation with the clock and all the noise that was in it that the spirits were happy that they were there rather than somebody else who might be afraid or uncomfortable so i really liked their take on that and and to me also made me feel like okay this house is in really good hands yeah so you you never know and I thought it was, you know, again, just the fact that they were taking the tour to learn more about Portsmouth and the tour went right by their house and they stopped and told us the story while we were there. It's priceless. It's priceless. Portsmouth and Newburyport still, there are still hundreds of these stories. There are still hundreds of houses there. Mm -hmm. There are just, you know, obviously some stuff's been replaced, but there's still plenty of, you know original history there is and to be able to piece that together is you know taking your place in history too like you know being able to say you know even on a small scale that you know when i'm gone i've still written these books and maybe someday they'll be useful a resource for for someone who wanted to know about this place and i think i kind of got a sense of that too when you had mentioned about going and doing the house tour in newburyport because i looked at some of the stories about some of the houses and i'm reading about the house and it talked about how some of the street names were changed like three or four times so think about that as as a researcher yeah and you're going to the library, you're looking through newspaper archives. Because you just assume streets are streets. Right. And not only is the street name changing, but the number on the house has changed a few times. So now you're really starting to lose, unless you're able to keep track of that and you're able to find it, you're starting to lose 
perhaps some of the history of that corner. So it's it's just great. Just that little stuff, it doesn't seem like it makes a big difference. But for me as a researcher, that makes a huge difference. To just say, collect All right, it and put it in one place. Yeah, just yeah. keep it with the history of the house. And um, I think when Ken and I have, like, stayed at bed and breakfast or gone to places and they have, like, the little three-ring binder with little stories about the house or, yeah. uh, you know, a few pictures of the people that used to live there. I'm like, don't ever lose this. Keep no, it with yeah. the house always. Yeah. Give a copy to the library or give a copy to the historical society. Um, and I just, I so appreciate anybody that does stuff like that. I think it's so important. It makes it a living, breathing thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 a house is a living, breathing thing. Yeah. It's there's there's so much that still can be told. I remember going past my childhood house, which my father built, mm-hmm. and it was up for sale. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been in it, been in it in 30 years, and so it was up for sale. So I just knocked on the door. I said, hey, you know, and I started telling mm-hmm. them the story. And they were just fascinated. They were so appreciative. Really? And it's just a little 50s ranch house. It's, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's not an 18th century house or anything mm-hmm. like that. But you're living in the house. You've had an experience in the house. You've raised your kids in the house. Mm-hmm. You want you know, you just met the person whose father built the house, you right. know, and someone else who grew up there. It's just like adding adding that little life and story to it is so important. It's it's a it's a whole nother layer. Even even if it seems insignificant at the time, it's it's just it's part of the history and part of the appreciation of what's there. And you know, for me who's putting together the ghost stories, that's an important layer that might be interesting to some people or might even help out in the ghost story. So um it, I, and I love those people that, you know, they're okay with popping out and telling us a ghost story when we walk by or somebody that's on our tour and they say, you know, I used to live in this house oh, or yeah. I knew somebody that was in that house over there. So you you never know who's on your tour and what they're going to tell you and if they have a connection to that house. Well, and the stories are evolving because of mm-hmm. that, because you're just constantly getting new pieces. And, and you're seeing new people all the time. Yeah. I've had people on, on my tours that have had such great connections to Portia that built the Memorial Bridge, that were caretakers of the Governor Langdon House, <laughs> that, that worked at the Wentworth by the Sea. Yeah. So many different factions of people. And then you get that mix of people on the tour. And sometimes we get people that haven't been back to Portsmouth for 30 years or right. 40 years. And they don't even recognize a lot of what's happened, but they know this building from, you know, 1750. Well, this has always been here, and this right. is what I've known about it, even though, you know, the whole north end of Portsmouth has changed. Right. Or I remember this house when it was in the north end. <laughs> so it's oh, it's so it's so cool. See, my, and you uh, put people on a bus, someone's seeing Portsmouth for the first time, they're vacationing, and mm-hmm. the other person grew up there. Yep. And, and maybe and, is coming back or still lives there. Mm-hmm. And they're side by side. And it's like, yeah, you're just pulling, you're pulling everybody into the same story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's... It's geeky at best. No, <laughs> it's I, well, geeky. I don't know it shouldn't be. I guess I guess it shouldn't be. Um, I guess you know people wonder you know so this you know this this one house in comparison to Portsmouth that has you know what we probably have two hundred houses from the seventeen hundreds. So what makes this one house so special? It's because we've got the stories about it. But the thing is, you keep carrying these stories along, and what's happening now is history is getting rewritten. History is mm-hmm. being retold by people who don't. No. So the right. more you connect with people of that time and that era through stories, through understanding the history, mm-hmm. the more you understand the similarities, the the less susceptible you are to this revisionist history. And I, I think that's probably more of the challenge that we're going to see nowadays yeah. is, you know, what are people looking at for historical resources? And even people that are in Portsmouth that have lived there all their lives. We see them on the tours, too. And they know a lot about the city, but they'll pick up things on the tours that they never even heard about or knew about, and it gives them a whole new appreciation for this building or that place. We have it more and more with World War II, where more Mm -hmm. and more we're being told America's imperialistic, we shouldn't have dropped Mm -hmm. the bombs on Japan, we were criminals, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's like then you, you have enough World War II people around and you can hear the stories firsthand. You understand that's not true. That's not right. what that's not what was going on, mm-hmm. and we're losing that. Mm-hmm. And the revolutionary era, um, the 18th century era in the United States, obviously that's all gone except mm-hmm. for the stories and carrying the history. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. So you have to keep carrying them on. Otherwise, you release the story to whoever wants to tell it. However they want to tell. I was going to say in whatever way they want to tell yeah. it, or, or or as we saw in the previous show, or not tell it, just you know yeah. dole out a, a very little bit of it. And I think you know 
when we think about that, I look to Fort William and Mary or Fort Constitution, 1630 for our fort in Portsmouth. Yeah. 1630. So it's been there for everything. And, and, and I don't want to get this into a political thing, yeah. but it's an example of it with the cabinet controversy with the sneakers with the Betsy Ross flag. Yes. And the Betsy Ross flag means something totally different to me mm-hmm. to what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. It means revolution. It means my ancestors here in New England, this is where this happened on these streets. Right. You know, that's what it means to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the start of a great nation. And, and it's, again, so if you if you allow the story to be told by whoever wants to tell it, however they want to tell it, the reality of it gets lost. I agree. And, yeah. and, and all the more reason why I feel such a responsibility yeah. as as a storyteller, and I, I never, ever really call myself a historian, even though probably technically I am. Of course. Um, yeah. Because my my whole goal is to share not only the history, but the ghost story. So sometimes it gets to be uh, a, a little bit confusing for some people. Like, are you a storyteller? Are you a historian? Or are you both? Or what are you? Well, the, ghost, the ghost story is the ghosts of the plate for the meal. Right. Yeah. To, to bring you in. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm I can be so critical because I really want people to know the full story. Yeah. And and understand why why there are ghosts. Whether you choose to believe them is it's totally up to you. And I don't right. want anybody to feel that, you know, I'm insisting that this place is haunted. It's just what I've been told or what I've researched or even what I've experienced. But if that's the ticket for your admission to come in, then that's not a bad thing. No. But um, it's there's definitely. And by the way, how how often have we learned? And mm. this whole this is the whole spiritual discussion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time when they lose a pet, for example, it's like you know, I will, everyone has that dog, right? The one that is the dog, right? And you lose them, mm-hmm. and you just tell people because it's true. They never really leave. They're still hanging around with mm-hmm. you, right? They're always there. Why is that not true with people on whatever level you want to take it? I mean, these people that they formed, you're often telling stories about people who formed the city, who had major oh, yeah. parts in the city, mm-hmm. or people who are your ancestors that mm-hmm. had parts in your family or interacted with your ancestors. They're there. They're around. We talked about the echoes. You walk the street mm-hmm. George Washington walked, and he's there as, you know, as real as it gets. Absolutely. And right around the corner is where he spoke around the other corner is where he worshiped around the other corner is where he went to a masonic meeting so what do you want i mean four corners you're surrounded you can't escape it right it's 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 all right there um I think people, much like with history, they have to see it to believe it. You know, you can, and I think even for myself, that was part of my learning the appreciation too. Trying to remember dates and battles, and you know, sitting yeah. in fifth and sixth grade, I'm like, oh my god, like horrible. I couldn't remember it. But when you're in that building, you're on that street. It's it's a whole you take it other ball game, and and yeah. you do. And, and I'm the person in New Report, everyone I bring down, I'm the one, they're all rolling their eyes because I'm telling them the story about there were six Paul Revere Bells in New Report at one point, and, you know, the pastor is buried under the pulpit of this particular church, and it's mm-hmm. like, because, first of all, because I love the stories, and I think they're fascinating. They are. Especially where they're like, again, it's still there, you're not looking at a picture, saying, oh, that church was built in three days by a hundred men, and the mm-hmm. pastor is still buried under the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not looking at a picture. You're standing in front of the church. That's true. Or you're standing in the boxes with the coal bins, the, mm-hmm. the coal uh, heaters that are still there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it, it's incredible. And, and by the way, you walk them up and show them the pastor. Or, or you know, he's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a theory. It's not a story. It's No, he's really there. He's there. Yeah. Maybe you should start doing your own chores in Newburyport. Well, <laughs> I, if, if, I mean, if, 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 you're, if you're, you've got such a good handle on it. It might be, might be another. It's just another. always fascinating me. It's just kind of, again, because you're walking, you, the echoes are right there. You're walking in the same places all these things happened. Well, I, and I think it's, again, it, it's so under our feet that we miss it. When I went out um, a couple of years ago to. to well, to, the, to that point, yes. I grew up in Haverhill. Okay. I grew up a quarter mile from John Greenleaf Whittier's birthplace. Mm-hmm. I never visited John Greenleaf Whittier's birthplace. The only time I was ever there was when the barn burned down. I sat there and watched the barn burn. Did <laughs> you bring marshmallows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's like when it is right there, when it's right under your feet, sometimes mm-hmm. you overlook it. You do. Yeah. 
we were um I think we were working on uh the first book, Haunted Portsmouth, and um, Newington has changed so much with Pease Air Force Base and how the the town's been all right. cut up. And we went over to see the cemetery there, which which is really nice, a kind of country setting, little church there. And we finished walking through the burial ground. I was sitting on the steps of the church, looking at the photographs I had taken, and I looked down at the stone that I was sitting on, and I'm like, that's kind of strange. Is that something carved on the stone? So I got at the right angle, and I couldn't believe that there was actually a carving on the stone. It wasn't a now it wasn't a gravestone, right. mind you. It was just like a big slab of granite, and it was very roughly sketched on there. And I had seen that somebody had taken like some black paint and tried to put it in some of the crevices to bring out the carving that was in the stone. Yep. The stone talked about how the minister was buried right there and they built the church on top of it oh my god but you, yeah. you couldn't even it was yeah. i mean it almost looked like a child had carved it and it was so rough and you know the old english well, a bunch of farmers yeah. carving a piece of granite which is true yeah. but you wouldn't even know it there was like a little um almost a scratchy moon face on it and then just a little bit about the minister there and he's buried underneath the church and actually that's fairly common here in new england sure yeah. For um, when we went up to Jaffrey, New Hampshire, there's actually several ministers buried below the meeting house up there next to the old burial ground. And there's not a lot to tell you about it unless you can find an artifact. And I pretty much was sitting right on it and said, there's something weird here. And there but it was. Doesn't that call the scene to mind? When of course. Laying the pass at arrest and, and some guy doing what he thinks is his duty, sitting there probably for a week, two mm-hmm. weeks, three weeks, mm-hmm. trying to carve into the stone. And, and and there it is, and people have been stepping on that stone to go into the church for years. Like, does anybody even stop to, to look at it? There's no plaque. Yeah. There's no information other than that little stone right there. So cool. So cool. And it was all there right in front of them. It was, it was all there below their feet. Yeah. Right there below their feet. <laughs> all right, so I've been just going on and on and on here with you, Lou. So what we're going to do is we'll, um, we'll take a quick break. I'll take a sip of my drink. I'll calm down the geekiness, and we'll come back with more Wicked Curious. So don't go anywhere. For the best in curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven, or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really want to share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. 
you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, R-O-X-I-E. Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. It's Roxy's Wicker again, geeking out over history <laughs> and ghost stories. And you're still with us, which is pretty amazing that we haven't uh, worn you out with our love of history and folklore here in New England. We just can't get away from it. It's around every <laughs> corner. We drive by yep. it every single day. Especially where we live. It's true. It's true. And and most likely, if you're here anywhere in New England, you're going to go buy something historic. You're right. down some historic road, even if you're in you know modern downtown Boston. Oh. There's something down there. God, yes. If you're in one of the newest skyscrapers that they've just built, something was there before you and could still be there underneath your feet. Um, Boston certainly is one of the places where there are many, many more secrets that will be discovered. Probably not in my lifetime, but <laughs> still buried out and about town. So I have a, I have a confession to make. Okay. I, I did it yesterday. I lit a pumpkin candle. <laughs> You flipped the page? I did. We're in Halloween I, season? I, I turned the calendar. Come I on. did. I'm First sorry. First week of August. I know. I know. I couldn't I couldn't help it. I <laughs> I moved the, the clock ahead for me. <laughs> You're well, not alone, though. No. Well, it's not that I, I, I don't like summer. We're midsummer right now, so I know we still have another month and a half left to yeah. go. However, um, just kind of where we are as far as when curiosities goes, our calendar is just like starting to really fill up with yeah. different events that we're going to be doing. We're doing a lot of events in Massachusetts this year, which is really very cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had to get into the mood. I'm like, I can't talk about October and work on my tour schedule right. without getting a little bit more in the mood. Got to get some mood, right? Exactly. So, so yeah. it's, I did it. And, you know, if you if you feel a cold breeze in the air or <laughs> get a sense that you want a pumpkin latte, it's probably my fault. Oh God, I've I've probably brought it on. So I'm. Um, I, I could apologize, but I don't think I will. No, because I really, really yeah. enjoy the pumpkin scent. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, we're going to be doing, um, as I said, a lot in Massachusetts, and we're this early, so we're still a couple of months out before we come down. Um, we're going to be going back to Tewksbury, Massachusetts, and I'm be doing a new presentation called "Haunted Road Trips of New England," mm-hmm. which really is kind of an offshoot of Wicked Curious. Right. So you're going to have an idea. Check out of, past episodes of several road trips. <laughs> actually, they're great too. There's some. some really good ones in there which i'm due to probably take some more road trips coming soon (laughs) haven't done quite enough yet this summer so the whole idea is roads to follow off the beaten path places to eat places to go places to stay and um it was it was really cool because i've done a lot of presentations at tewksbury i think we've gone through most of the ones that i do and when they'd asked me they said can you come up with something different so I came up with Haunted Road Trips. So they popped it on their calendar. This was probably about a month or so ago. I put it up on our calendar and uh, took a look at the volume of people that were interested in going. <laughs> yeah. It's now over 3,000. What? 3,000? So, so Saturday, I was working on my calendar, and, and I got a call from the, the Sudbury Library. And they said, oh, we see you're doing this presentation called Haunted Road Trips of New England over oh, in Tewksbury. See, 3,000 people are interested. <laughs> and I said, could you explain what Haunted Road Trips of New England is? And, you know, I explained as I just did to you. And she was like, so I'm just going to book you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so it, it's going to be pretty cool because we're going to do that it's um, the last Sunday in September, and we're going to be coming back from Lenox, Massachusetts, for the Massachusetts Paracon, um, which is over at the uh, the Mount, which is owned by Edith Wharton, which yes. is supposed to be yep. super mega crazy haunted, which I have not been to, even though I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Interesting. 
so I'm excited to see what else we can see out there. Um, we're going to go out for a couple of days um, and not do tours, but of course we're going to come back to very busy <laughs> October. Yep. So um, so it's going to be kind of an interesting weekend. We'll be out there for a couple of days, and we'll come back to Sudbury, and then we have all the you know usual library things going on. Yeah. I try to enlist my daughter last night. I said, so... He listen, I got to do all these talks coming up in October. How do you feel about selling books? And she's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's so easy. And I'm like, it's not as easy as you think it is. So you're going to come to these events and people are going to be ravenous. They're, yep. they're going to want books and they're going to want information. <laughs> she thinks it's going to be easy. So well, we'll just leave it at that. She'll figure it out. She'll, she'll, she'll be, she'll be smart about it. You can't do it in the library. You got to move it to the, like the high school or something, don't you? You're going to be pulling 1,500, 2,000 people. <laughs> well, I, um... I, I know um, Tewksbury, they can hold about a couple hundred people, which mm -hmm. is pretty good. Uh, Sudbury, I'm not quite sure. I just signed on to do an event at the Hamilton and Wenham Library. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a lady. I'm like, you know, these presentations pull in a lot of people. And she's like, oh, well, you know, we usually get like 20 or 30 people. We can easily hold 50 people. And I'm like... <laughs> So do you have a parking lot you can put a tent over? Yeah. Maybe we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be another great season for lectures. Um, I have to remember, though, you're, you're saying, what have we learned? So I remember <laughs> yeah, what from learned? last year what we've yeah. learned. Um, but keep in mind, as crazy as it gets, people come up after the talks, and they have ghost stories to share or places for you to check out. Yeah. So it's always the bonus plan. When we go to these places, when we went to Bill Rickham, did that presentation on that crazy lightning and thundering night for the last 20 minutes of question and answers, everybody there talked about the haunted pond, this haunted house, that haunted house, with really good details. like. Yeah. Who might be haunting heard, it. Yeah. And and that is I mean, that's the piece de resistance and why we do these talks is it's not just to go and share stories, but it's Research. also to collect them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm excited about seeing what we pick up for new stories this year. And I know I'm a little premature with my October enthusiasm right now. Think of it is it goes by so fast. Yep. So if, if we don't start enjoying it now, you know, before you know it, it's going to be Christmas. And by the way, this is like your tours, though. It's, it's these events. If you want to go, you better be interested now. You, you can't wait. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. I think our, um, our Halloween night tour is, I think, three quarters sold out right now already. And that's, you know, October 31st, yep. which is fabulous because we have the Halloween parade in Portsmouth the same night. So we merge our tour with them. And uh, we came up with some new tours mm -hmm. this year. So we're going to do a um, costume tour. So you can come in costume. We're doing a trick-or-treat tour yeah. just to kind of make them, uh, you know, a, a little bit more fun and just kind of more in yeah. the spirit of the season. But people can't wait until kids are back in school start booking these things. You're going to be booked. And we've got a couple of dates that go. are already, already full for October. Yeah. So don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait. So I had to. I confess, I had to do it. And yesterday, I went Nothing out. Nothing wrong with that. No, I guess, I guess there's not. And no, I, I went want out. Pumpkin pie, though. <laughs> I love pumpkin pie. Yeah. We um we had a, a little bit of time yesterday between tours. So I said to Ken, I said, you know, I wonder if the stores have Halloween stuff out. So we went over to the Christmas tree shops, and they still had summer stuff out. So I was oh. very disappointed. Really? Yeah. Because I heard some stores have some stuff out. Well, we went over to HomeSense, which mm -hmm. is like Home Goods on Hyperdrive, and they had a a fair amount of Halloween stuff yeah. out. So I just stood there and kind of got my fix for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, it's, I think it's coming in the air. <laughs> but we're, you know, we're ready. We're, we're ready for a, another great season. We're trying to find, you know, as many new stories as we can. And um, Ken had mentioned last night when we were talking about it, he's like, you know, he says, you got to remember when you're out with folks and we're finishing up a tour to tell them to come back and take the tour again because they do change. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even realize that. Um, last night when we were out on the waterfront tour, I brought up the Connecticut circus fire because the boy who had started the fire was in Portsmouth and actually murdered a girl and set a fire in Portland previous to that. He ended up dying in, uh, in an asylum in Ohio, but he had that Portsmouth connection. Yeah. And it happened right down along our waterfront. And we've actually had some of our guests who, if you want to call them intuitive or empathic or sensitive, that they said they've actually seen the little girl down along the waterfront with us while we've been on the wow. tour. They've seen her yeah. peeking out at us. So 
I was down there yesterday and, you know, I usually have kind of like in my mind an outline of the stories that I tell. And for whatever reason, I just kind of flipped the switch yesterday and I dropped a story and picked that story back up. And I think that's one of the great things is when you have this why? collection of stories. Do you know why? Did you put any work into trying to figure out what triggered you? It, it's, it's, it's funny you ask that. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I, I felt like it just needed to be told again. Yeah. Uh, we were we were in the burial ground, and you know I can talk about the cemetery for sure. for weeks, yeah, because there's so much in there. And we were standing at the gate, and I like I, a band on its 40th anniversary tour. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that. There's, there's like 60 songs you leave leave off the set list, <laughs> and people are like, "Wait, that's my." And favorite. then all of a sudden you feel like you got to play it. It's true. Yeah, it is true. Um, and we always, when we leave the burial ground on the waterfront tour to go over to the river and, and just talk about the prison and the yard, I was standing there waiting for everybody to come up. Ken was showing everybody a picture of the cemetery from like 100 years ago. And I'm just spinning the turnstile, and I'm looking at it and thinking about the history again, back to history geeks. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it just popped in my head. Like, you know what, I'm going to drop that story, and I want to talk about the little girl down here. And that was, you know... What a hundred and hundred so years ago, uh, yeah. And I just, it just all just like spilled out. I didn't even have to. All right, so what's the details of that? It was just in there, and it was just like you open up a file folder right. from the file cabinet, and it's like, okay, so story number, blah blah blah. Here's the thing. Here's the connection to Portland. Here's the connection to Connecticut. And Portsmouth was right in the middle. And than the story about the girl and the ghost. And one of the reasons why I think I gravitate to stories like that, um, and we have others on our tour as well, you don't even need the ghost story. Yeah, It's just the story of what happened, the connection to Portsmouth, um, this, the scary nature of it in general anyways. Right. I mean, it was one of the worst calamities in, in our nation's history. This huge, big top just melted and burned down on people. Nearly yeah. 200 people were killed. And it was this this boy who said the, the Indians or the Native Americans told him to do this. And uh, it, it's just, it's such a compelling story. Again, the ghost is just the icing on the cake. And it just popped up yesterday. Well, there's ghosts and there's spirit. And you have to tell a story of that spirit, whatever was going on with that boy. You right. Know? whatever internal external whatever it was i mean we're all fascinated by these ex i mean god we just had two examples of it mm -hmm. and you just sit there and you stand back and you say what is going on right what was going on in his head what you know what was going on in his soul mm -hmm. if you want to ask it that way mm -hmm. that that you arrive here and and i don't think we'll ever know We'll we'll never, you know, he, his mother, I think, had a pretty good inclination of what was going on. And while in Porto, they were trying to figure out how to charge this young boy. I think he was like 12 or 13 years old. Wow. In that time that they were trying to figure out what to do about this murdered girl, which was a very grisly murder. Um, her body was found behind one of the wharf houses. The mom up and took him out of Portsmouth and went down to Connecticut, and he was never charged with that. And her death really went unresolved. Yeah. And then the circus fire happened, and I had actually— um, Then it's put on the back burner. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's almost irrelevant. And I, I actually posted—it was probably about a month ago on our Facebook page. There was an article in the Hartford Current, and this adds a whole new wrinkle to the story that— when the circus fire was put out and they were collecting the bodies from the fire and trying to, I can't even imagine, identify them, yeah. and a lot of them were children, that there were some mix-ups that were made with some of the bodies. Sure. And people are trying, even to this day, to resolve what had happened. And uh, there was a story about uh, one woman's family, and they don't really know if the person in their son's grave is the right person. Right. And there's still this feeling about, you know, we'll never know the full story of what right. happened here. Yeah. And, you know, he allegedly was crazy and went into the nut house. And I'm going to tell you, that's going to leave a mark. Oh, yeah. All, all the way around in that story. And, and I'm just thinking about the mother now. I'm thinking about what's going on, you know, the kind of torture she's going through. Mm -hmm. She knows the son has, has killed a girl. Mm-hmm. And then her decision, you know, she's got all kinds of conflicts, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And I, she's a mother. She, oh, sure. So she understands the loss. 
and she decides to pick him up and you know, she decides preservation of her son mm-hmm. And she tried to stay one step ahead of it by yeah. moving him down to Portsmouth. So you've got the death there, moving him down to Connecticut, and, and you've got led, all those deaths it there. it led to the circus fire. I know. Yeah, it's... I, yeah, tell, tell me about she, she wasn't haunted. Yeah. But you know what? By the same token, you look at it and you kind of understand it. You know? You may yeah. or may not have followed the same path, right. but you understand the mother... What, yeah, what she was thinking, yeah, even if you don't agree with it. She didn't know there were 200 deaths on the, no. on the end of that path. No, no. Yeah. And She might have been thinking, the girl's dead. And it, yeah, I can't do anything about that. Right. I, can, I don't know. But the torture involved there. Yeah, I, I couldn't even imagine. Not to mention day-to-day living with the son, mm. you know, and, who, who's obviously troubled. And, and, and knowing what he was capable of yeah. in, in his own way and and, and what was getting and at him. By the way, chances are those weren't the only two incidents either. No, I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they weren't. Whether it, was, it be pets or animals or, oof. you know, and, you know. I shudder to think. Yeah. So that's I mean, those are pretty intense. That's pretty intense spirituality right there. It is on, on the all levels. Side, but yeah. yeah. For, for him, who is yeah. saying that essentially ghosts were telling him to do this. And then now we have the ghost story on the other end. We have the the unresolved issues for the families that are left over. There's so many different pieces and parts to this story. So for whatever reason yesterday, it just it popped up. And I, I said to Ken afterwards, I said, I think, I think I'm going to keep it on the tours now for yeah. a while. And just kind of go with how it feels and how people respond to it. And... I don't know. It's there's just such a file cabinet of so many stories. And if there's so anything many like me, which is what I'm going to do tonight, <laughs> you hear the story and go, I don't. I'm not from Connecticut. I don't know much about mm-hmm. the, the that fire story, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go find out oh, now because you're yeah. you have a link. It's like, well, he was in Portsmouth. I've been to Portsmouth. There it is. Yeah. And 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 that's and that's part of the hope is, and I always tell people when we finish up is to prompt you on your own explorations, just like the show yeah. is to prompt you now to get out there and explore and to find out and see these places for yourself. It's really something doing this for work. <laughs> I can imagine. So, oh, another show, just like foof, just like that, <laughs> comes to an end. But we will be back next week. Make sure you hit subscribe if you're listening to us on iTunes or Buzzsprout. And as always, we invite you to stay Wicked Curious. Thanks for listening.